Fans of our on-demand show, we now have a brand new daily podcast. We're calling it Armstrong and Getty, One More Thing. Yeah, it's where we just talk about something else that didn't fit into the show. And sometimes we use naughty language. Yes! Not often, though, because it's naughty. Finally! Find it right now via the iHeart app. Just search for Armstrong and Getty, One More Thing. My chance to work blue. That is our plan. Border security, DACA, TPS, and many other things. Straightforward, fair, reasonable, and common sense with lots of compromise. Well, it didn't come off as common sense, apparently, to uh, everyone because it was turned down before he ever gave the speech. But just on the left and the right. (laughs) That's right. Ann Coulter hated it. Nancy Pelosi hated it. Please welcome the Armstrong and Getty Show, Jay Caruso, the deputy editor of the Washington Examiner magazine with a uh, an appropriately named cover story, Washington Hits the Wall or Wall-to-Wall Politics. I saw one of the, uh, the links. Uh, Jay is with us now. Hello. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you guys? We're great. We're here to talk about officiating in the NFL. It's a travesty. It's a travesty, a sham, and a mockery. Hope you can weigh in. Yeah. If you're a Saints fan, you're not happy this morning. Yeah, Yeah, Chiefs fans aren't throwing a party either. But, hey, so listen, why don't we, for folks who are not following this day-to-day, God bless them, uh, describe what is the strategy to get uh, get the the government back opened and or uh, make a compromise on the whole wall question? What's the posturing look like right now? Well, in, in my piece, I kind of explained how... I, neither side has much motivation to kind of give in. Um, for, for, for Donald Trump, you know, a large portion of his base has, you know, hitched their support to him of, on, on the immigration issue. Not necessarily so much the wall, but immigration overall and a very tough stance on immigration, which is the reason why Ann Coulter was unhappy about his latest, Trump's latest proposal. On the other side, Nancy Pelosi has the same issue as well. Everybody thinks that she's just, you know, people are trying to play up the Democrats as doing this kind of like, you know, wonderful, like, you know, it's all happiness on their side. No, there is that new, you know, the, the new people that have gotten elected. There is a much more far left, you know, kind of outlook on the Democratic side. If you want to say progressive, far left progressives who don't want her to give in at all. And, and you know, the two sides are kind of like, you know, battling it out over who can, who can outlast the other uh, in terms of this. And, you know, I, I guess, you know, when you think about it in an overall scheme of things, it's kind of ridiculous that it's, you know, I, I mentioned this in the piece as well, it's about $5 billion, which is like 0.11% of the overall federal budget. Um but, you know, the, the, the politics of it is so strong that you have these, you know, you have the, the, the Trump supporters and the Democratic supporters on either side on the, on the ends who are saying you, you can't give in here. You just can't do it. And that's the reason why we're, you know, over, what, a month now? Well, we, 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 can't, we can't let our national politics become run by AOC and Ann Coulter, can we? We'll, we'll never get anywhere. If, if those are the two starting lines, there'll never be any negotiations. 
Well, yeah, I, I think it was Arthur Brooks, who was the American Enterprise Institute, said, you know, right now we're, we're kind of we're governed by the fringes. You have this 15 percent on one side, 15 percent on the other. And then you got 70 percent in the middle who would say, OK, let's get something done so we can move on here. And, you know, that's the struggle here. And uh, something I mentioned in addition, you know, in, in, in the piece is that Trump is at a point here similar to what. George H.W. Bush was in 1988 when he when he was running for president. He promised he was not going to raise taxes. He had that speech, you know, that he emphatically said, they're going to ask me to raise taxes. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. And then finally, you know, the famous line of read my lips, no new taxes. Two years later, he went back on that promise and it cost him a lot of support. And I think that's where Trump is now. He's at a point where it's like if he sees if he's seen as giving in on this issue, then you know, he, you know, it, it's going to cost them now. So clearly, let me leap, let me yeah. leap ahead, Jay, if I might. So therefore, sure. uh, Pelosi and the Democrats see a way to so weaken his candidacy that they have him out of the way for 2020. If they can put him in a position where he has to give in on the wall. Absolutely. And Democrats are not coming from, you know, not coming at this in, in, in any great uh, in a great light, you know, when you think about it, Nancy Pelosi and, and everybody have been saying, oh, well, you know, it's a, it's immoral to build a wall. And, you know, we go back several years and they supported border security in terms of walls. and Well, and steady lawyers out there saying, no, yeah. I don't think walls are immoral. <laughs> yeah. And even now you're saying the, the, the proposal that Trump put out, Democrats said, well, that's no good because we want permanent protections. Oh, so you're saying then if Trump offers permanent protections, you'll give him the money for the supposedly immoral wall. You know, it, it, it can't be both. You know, it's, good point. It's, either it's impractical or immoral. Right. Well, I just wonder, you know, it's unfortunate, but it becomes about the blame game and who Americans hold more responsible and allegedly who will suffer in the next election cycle. Although that really hasn't been the history of these things. I just don't see enough energy from any direction to push anyone toward a solution at um, this point. I don't think Americans give much of well, a damn. I, you're absolutely right. On the other hand, it will end at some point. So how do you see it ending? It'll end. What we're seeing now, and you're slowly starting to see this roll out, is when people are disrupted personally. So when you start, when people are saying that they've been on a security line at an airport for three hours because TSA agents are calling out and these other kinds of things are happening, that's when you're going to see some anger. And sooner or later, at some point, somebody has to kind of give in. Now, there's, you know, there's, there's this. Trump still has the eyes. Trump still may go the emergency route and declare a national emergency, which, you know, and this is, you know, Jonathan Turley, who is a constitutional law professor, is not a partisan, and he says Trump has the authority to do it. Sure. So if he goes ahead and he does that, then he can sign whatever bill that he wants to open up the government because he can go back to his supporter and say, look, these guys wouldn't give me what I wanted. I went and did it anyway, and I opened the government up. And or the courts shut me down again, which is, you know, exactly. as good which as a victory. As well, but, yeah. sure. Jay Caruso is the deputy editor of the Washington Examiner magazine. Well, that's interesting. So if uh, you and Joe are correct, and I think you probably are, that they see it as a read-my-lips moment which could destroy his candidacy – yeah, why would you ever give? Why would you ever budge? And they probably won't. No, they, they probably won't. And, it, it, you know, it's, it's going to have to be a situation. There. The one way that they could get them to, to do this is that somehow or another Mitch McConnell can get 
60 votes to get something through the Senate, at which point the ball is in the court of Nancy Pelosi, who yeah. is then the one that becomes the, you know, that is blocking the government from getting open. Now, Mitch, Mitch, I'm ready. Senate's ready. They're not ready. Now, Mitch McConnell said on Saturday that they would vote this week on Trump's proposal. Is that still uh, planned to happen? Uh, from what I understand, and Matt, you know, the, the issue is, you know, whether or not they can get past that sixty-vote threshold to actually yeah. get it to the floor. That that's that's the that's the issue. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, even without that, if if the headlines are, look, you know, we passed something, and now they won't take it up. That might help them. I don't know. I don't know how this is going to play out publicly. It seems to me that it's going to give one way or the other over something. I don't know if it, it's kind of a race between. Uh, seeing bad stories of government workers running out of money on TV, how they can't get medicine for their kids or food for the table or whatever. It's a race between that and the caravan hitting the border and crossing with without a wall. Yeah, wow, wow. Uh, well, it's not going to get less interesting. Jay Caruso, deputy editor of the Washington Examiner uh, magazine. Jay, enjoy the chat very much. I hope we can do it again soon. I'd, I'd love to be back. Thanks for having me. Thanks, well done. And oh, I was going to mention, ask him. And uh, oh, sorry, I, I, I I'll pretend to be him. Hi. You got to admit, Nancy has the benefit of most of the media not asking some obvious questions, right. like you voted for the wall before, now you don't. Was it immoral then? Do we tear it down? I mean, what's, yeah, what's do gonna... we tear down the existing fences? Yeah, but but she doesn't get that sort of pressure. So that that does definitely helps her side. I heard Dick Durbin this morning talking about. A thirty-foot wall all across the border is that? It's a sixth century. And come on now, nobody's been talking about that for many weeks. Trump isn't asking for that. I mean, that was some of the campaign stuff, I guess. But he's made it clear: fence, wall, barrier, whatever. A few miles of it, a few bucks. Slats, so, slats. He talked about on Saturday, which slats. which Saturday Night Live mocked. But yes, slats. Uh, uh, right. So I don't. know. It's just so funny. Jack, would you like to hear a list of celebrities who are younger than Nancy Pelosi? <laughs> Wouldn't that be almost everyone? Dolly Parton is younger. Wow, wow. I was I was expecting not to be impressed with this list. Gary I, Busey is significantly younger. Mick Jagger is younger than Nancy Pelosi. Wow. Bernie Sanders is younger than Nancy. Soccer star Pele. <laughs> Boy, that's a little obscure. Bob freaking Dylan. Younger is than younger Nancy than Nancy Pelosi. That's shocking. Yes, he is. She's, she's been pretty effective, though. I mean, you can, unless you're just an ageist and don't believe old people have a right to be in power, she's, oh, no. she's having a pretty successful little run here. She didn't get the gig by, like, drawing straws. They chose her. Right? She's still that powerful and effective and nasty. And she's managed, with the help of the media, to get the president into a box, I think. And she knew Abe Lincoln personally, so, you know, all combined. She was one of the team arrivals. She is formidable. (laughs) Um, The media take on some of this, we've got that for you. Oh, big story out of uh, Reno, Nevada, serial killer. Would you like to know his immigration status? It's another one of those stories. Probably won't get much attention. North Korea back in the news, among other things. Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation.
Tommy Lee Lewis. Crowd's going crazy as there's no flag. Well, when they showed the replay in the stadium of that uh, controversial play, but there's no controversy because it was clearly not what the refs called. No. Uh, I haven't it, heard a uh, single person in a booth or anybody who, you know, the the, the, the important people to talk right. about, former players, coaches, whatever. Right. I haven't heard a single person say, no, that's completely wrong. There isn't a person claiming no. that. No. Uh, if it was a South American soccer game, there would have been deaths. Which, well, so I don't watch sports anymore because I'm a man of letters. Uh, <clears throat> but I, I used to watch a lot of sports. But so I watched my first NFL action yesterday. I turned mm-hmm. on the TV. I saw four plays in 35 minutes when I turned it on because of the constant reviews of plays. Boring. Boring. You're not going to get me back that way. And then and then, <laughs> and then, there are plays that they don't review that are wrong, that impact the game. And then so what, you, what you're saying is it's going to lead to more plays being reviewed. Yes. yes. Awesome. Well, I have a friend I've mentioned who's a professional sports uh, adjudicator, uh, perhaps an umpire, who knows a lot of referees in all the sports, you know, for obvious reasons. And he said, oh, yeah, that'll be reviewable next season. That's fine. There'll be too much cry. I got and other, Hugh. I got other things to do. I wish they'd eliminate all those reviews. And oh, just... speaking of other things to do, I'm sorry. I got to text my wife a uh, pig emoji as I weighed myself this morning in <laughs> precisely the same weight as a state fair winning hog. <laughs> and I knew the surgery thing would be probably. I was eating sure. like a hog all through the holidays and getting no exercise other than my physical therapy for my super tricked out custom hip I got. Um, but yeah, finally, the, my birds have come home to roost, and they're giant flightless emus. <laughs> oh boy, Where back on the wagon! Boy, it's such a good excuse, though. And all I need is a little bit of an excuse. Oh, please! I was under the knife, <laughs> but coinciding with the holidays. Yeah, <sighs> yeah, that's a tough one. Well, you know, the holidays don't make me sip as much wine as I enjoy. A lot of calories in wine. Every night is not Friday night. A guy could be good and <laughs> my, eliminate hundreds of calories. There are There is a lot of calories in booze, no doubt about it. My, my bigger problem was that when I drank, then I would eat like an entire pizza mm. because I had yeah, I don't, I don't a few beers in I don't usually roll that way, but, you know, it, 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 do, you, do you enjoy the wine like I do? A four-ounce pour, if you got it at a restaurant, you'd be saying to the waiter, hey, what's this, the child's portion? I paid for wine. Four ounces is nothing. And that is 125 calories. Is so, it really? Yeah. So if you just pour a little extra, you're looking at 150. You take two of them, 300. That's, you know, it's a little slice of cheesecake every single day. It, it adds up. So anyway. And on a big night, it'd be easy to get 1,000 calories on you. So Before I have to go, uh, yes, uh, conceivably, I'm not a binge drinker like that, but uh, before I need to uh, buy new pants, it's time to get back on the wagon. You know what I ate for the first time in a long time yesterday? Chipotle. Human flesh. <laughs> oh, sorry. Chipotle. You yes. Said. Carnitas burrito with a coli on the side. Oh, boy. I asked for it on the hey, side. Hey, employee attorney. I kid. Uh, I went there and ate. The whole family enjoyed it. Yeah, that's great. Oh, um, yeah, I love it. Love it. <laughs> uh, what else? I had something important to talk about. I've uh, completely lost my train of thought. Was it football related? No. I got another. Tony Romo is my favorite color guy I've ever heard. He's freaking uh, fantastic. Yeah, you know the yeah yeah. There's a lot of football talk. Do you want to go down that no, road? No, I don't. He is terrific. He over jabbers sometimes, but it's worth it for what he tells you. When he said they should put this guy back to receive the kick, but they're probably going to throw a long play to him next, and they don't want to have to run this play in the next play. I thought right. I've never heard anybody say that before. Right. right, that's fantastic. Yep. Or he'll point out, you know, uh, uh, Tom Brady. 
saw this guy move a step to his left. He knew what defense was coming, so that's why he threw it out there. The best part that of stuff that stuff is so revealing and interesting. Getting back to casual fans, the best part yes. of that is it shows you how complicated the sport is. So when you're the doofus, the drunk, fat doofus sitting on your couch, hey, shouting, hey, hey, why hey. didn't you run? There's, L- there's, there's little, a little close to home. <laughs> there's a lot more going on. Little on the nose. <laughs> Boy, I don't. I hate to end this segment on a non-cheery note because we're having such a lovely time. Mm-hmm. Oh, did I tell you about my dog is a thief? So uh, Baxter the dog, he uh, he's uh, half black lab and half uh, border collie. He looks like a black lab. Um, he he's begun counter surfing. Um, you know, he stands up on his hind legs, puts his four paws up there. Sees what's up there when we're not around, when we're not looking. What are you doing? And we have a, a bad uh, habit of leaving uh, a couple of different foods. Well, we did anyway, including graham crackers. A uh, little package of graham crackers. Sometimes I like them with my coffee on a weekend morning. So twice now, we've made similar discoveries. The, the last last time, our neighbors need to borrow the big dog kennel we have. With uh, like It's the kind you travel with a dog with. Um, and like so, Mitt Romney put on top of his car. Exactly, because he's cruel and hateful. Uh, so we take this <laughs> thing out. We take the pad out, because they're probably not going to want the pad, which smells like our dog. And what is there at the way back of the kennel? But a carefully concealed package of graham crackers. <laughs> like, a, like somebody's pot stash back there. And I walked in. I said, what's the story with this? And he lawyered up. He refused to answer any questions. I gave him the her. Her. We finally. He's took, actually not a hound, Elvis. Yes. We finally took down the Christmas tree, and we found a uh, a little dog treat stuffed in there that mm. our pug had. He thought nobody will look here. Right. Hit it in the Christmas tree. Little did he know. He can't trust dogs. Yeah. What's so <laughs> we're going to keep him on a short leash, as it were. That's He's it on were. probation. You can't. When you're talking about a dog, you can't use a leash metaphor. What? What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, Pence, Trump firing back at Nancy Pelosi for not negotiating on the shutdown. We've got yet another North Korea-U.S. nuke summit coming up. And the latest stress relief tool for all those anxious college students. Fantastic. Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. on the news with Marshall Phillips. On Saturday, President Trump said in exchange for border wall funding, he would extend protections for undocumented immigrants. The president said his compromise, rejected by Democrats, could end the ongoing partial government shutdown. Vice President Pence was asked uh, on uh, Sunday by Chris Wallace on Fox News Sunday whether the president's proposal is his final offer or whether there's any wiggle room. There's a legislative process that is going to begin on Tuesday in the United States Senate. And, uh, you know, it it was disappointing to see Speaker Pelosi reject uh, the offer before the president gave his speech. You know, uh, not only that, but Congress writes the laws. Congress appropriates the funds. I understand the president's role in this because I understand practical politics. But to defer completely to the president is ridiculous. Get in there and solve it, legislators. Stop with the excuses. Stop with the accusations. Do your jobs. Trump, uh, after Pelosi's uh, refusal to even consider the deal, even before he gave his speech, was tweeting yesterday, Nancy Pelosi has behaved so irrationally and has gone so far to the left that she has now officially become a radical Democrat. She is so petrified of the lefties in her party that she has lost control. And by the way, 
clean up the streets in San Francisco. They're disgusting. <laughs> yeah, true that. That's pretty funny. You know, we had a guest on a little bit ago yeah. that explained the strategy. I'm not sure that she's afraid of AOC or the, the, the left wing of her party as much as she sees this as, how do, how do I lose this battle? I'm, I'm in a no-lose situation. I make Trump give on his biggest promise. And then he's got to head into a presidential election, having backtracked on his biggest promise. Right. That just might be your strategy. And she's sacrificing all the federal workers in the name of that. Right. That's not the way that people on the political left see that, and I understand that. And the media's not calling her on that. No. Uh, they're not nobody in nobody, spite of all the votes in favor of walls and fences and sure. all through the years. The media is not putting anything on her for her contribution to the shutdown. It's just like Howard Kurtz on his Media Matters show yeah. Stan Fox was talking about the the fun tit for tat last weekend where she cancels the State of the Union address, he cancels her flight. That was fun. And how <laughs> Well she and, didn't cancel it per se, but we'll have to see what happens. And I should have gotten the montage so it's pretty good. Montage of all the analysts on all the news channels talking about what a brilliant strategy that was from Nancy Pelosi or how she's a badass or Trump has met his match. Right. And so when she does something petulant and nasty, it's, you know, good strategy. And he was wondering, would John Boehner have been treated that way if he had canceled Barack Obama's State of the Union address? Would that that have been seen as masterful strategy and a badass political move? Or petulant and whiny and and awful? The answer is so self-evident, I can't summon the breath to utter it. Of course. There is going to be a second summit, it looks like, between President Trump and North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. This one does some good. Because I think little fatheads building nukes as fast as he can, Marshall. The White House says it will happen late like next month, and a site hasn't been selected yet. As Joe just mentioned, NBC News is now reporting researchers have discovered a secret ballistic missile base in North Korea, one of as many as 20 undisclosed missile sites in the country. Wow. The report, sponsored by the Center for Strategic and Internal Studies, it's a defense uh, think tank, it was just released today. And it comes after the announcement that Trump and Kim will be meeting once again. And a measles outbreak in the Pacific Northwest might be threatening NBA fans. Public health officials say people might have been exposed to measles at the Portland Trailblazers game on January 11th. They say the Motor Center where the Blazers play is one of a couple dozen public places where people could have been exposed to the disease. And It's the anti-vaccination thing. Yeah. Combined no with uh, immigrant populations who haven't been vaccina- vaccinated. So, yeah, these uh, diseases that disappeared have reappeared. Right. Well, helping to ease stress. Students at Bristol University are now being given packets of bubble wrap. There's a note handed out with the stuff saying for immediate stress relief, pop three capsules every four to six hours or as needed. The bubble wrap was used to package the uh, new furniture for the school's student union living room. First of all, alcohol and drugs were good for college students (laughs) for many, many decades, many, many years. Uh, Secondly, that plastic is going to clog the blowholes of turtles and whales. The turtles turtles don't have blowholes. Well, they have nose nose holes. They totally do. Nostrils. I'm sorry. They totally do. (laughs) You're a blowhole. (laughs) And nominations are out for the 39th annual Golden Razzies, the Raspberry Awards, the Razzies. The award given out to the worst films in Hollywood. Positive, Sean. It's the uh, only award show I care about. You may want to uh, weigh in. You got uh, the Will Ferrell, John C. Uh, Riley movie, Holmes and Watson, nominated for a bunch of them. Well, that one dis- disappeared quickly. Yeah. 
Yeah, the, the, almost zero publication for it. They the, almost zero reviews were were made for it, and yeah, it just kind of went out of the theater in the seeming like two days. Right. I'd like to know more about how, when that happens when the when they because those are big stars. Yeah. Those are big stars. And then when you finally get down to the end of it, and everybody looks at it and says, wow, this is really garbage. Yeah, this is not good. <laughs> Let's not right. even mention we did this and just move on with our lives. Melissa McCarthy's comedy, The Happy Time Murders, and John Travolta's crime drama, Gotti, all lead the pack with six nominations each. Winners are going to be announced on February the 23rd. Again, the Razzies. We were spending time uh, in Manhattan right before Gotti was coming out. Yeah. And, oh yeah. Uh, and, and man, there was every you couldn't pass by a bus stop without seeing posters of uh, Travolta looking fat and mobbish. <laughs> but, uh, Travolta, fat and mobbish. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, of the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. We have one of our favorite Martin Luther King Jr. speeches. We'll play a little bit for you. It's not from "I Have a Dream." But we like it. If you have the day off, I hope you're enjoying it. Indeed. Thanks for listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, there is a serial killer caught, apparently. It's funny you're not hearing about it. There's one aspect of the story that the media is a little uncomfortable with. So unbelievable. So is that uh, non-interference call in the Saints game. Oh, talking about a crime. Huh? Mugging. They should arrest officials when they do that. (laughs) Assume they're on the take. What are you, Saddam Hussein? (laughs) You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the the nation. totalitarian country. Maybe I could understand some of these illegal injunctions. Maybe I could understand the denial of certain basic First Amendment privileges because they haven't committed themselves to that over there. But somewhere I read of the freedom of assembly. Somewhere I read of the freedom of speech somewhere i read of the freedom of press somewhere i read that the greatness of america is the right to protest far right that's good stuff right there brilliant yeah oh my gosh and rereading the first chapter last night of uh bearing across garrow's book about the civil rights movement which won a pulitzer prize and it's a great book if you know if you've never read any of this stuff but he he not only wasn't clamoring to be the leader of this movement, he was one of those people that's really trying to stay out of it. Mm. He really didn't want to be the leader. And they talk about the first meeting they had. He allowed it to be at his church, he said, but I'm not speaking. I don't want to have anything to do with it, but you can meet at my church because it was central to everybody. Mm-hmm. And a guy, there are a bunch of guys who did want to be the leaders, all fighting each other to try to be the face of the, the Montgomery bus boycott. 
which is really one of the uh, opening shots in the whole thing. Not not a good metaphor. Opening uh, salvos in the yeah, whole thing. Sure, we get it. Uh, but so the first meeting, this guy who wanted to be in charge, you know, like often happens, was a droner, and he stands up in front of everybody, and everybody's hot to go, and Rosa Parks, and all this stuff, and we oh. finally got a moment where we're going to protest, and we're going to we're going to shut down the bus line, and we're going to get some attention. This guy gets up and drones on and on. People start filing out and mumbling, and one guy looks over at MLK Jr. and MLK Jr. rolls his eyes, and they're like, "Well, there's a night of our lives we'll never get back." I guess, wow. this, is, I guess this is the end of that. I mean, they just thought it was dead, and it's dead on arrival yeah, with yeah. this guy in charge, and he was just so boring and. Had nothing. Wow, That's when they, they voted to put somebody else in. And because there were various rivals, they wanted to be in charge. How about him? Nobody, he doesn't even want it. Nobody's going to care if we make Martin Luther King Jr. the, the guy who speaks. Interestingly, that's yeah. reminiscent of uh, Abraham Lincoln, 19, uh, 1960, sure. 1860. Very good point. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Wild. Uh, that sounds great. Written by Garo Upremian, the uh, yeah, field kick, goal kicker of exactly. the uh, Miami Dolphins in the 70s. G-A-R-R-O-W. Of course, if you can't okay. find it, then you probably can't read it. So I'll leave it at that. <laughs> What's the title of it again? Don't say Moby Dick. Moby Dick. Bearing the Cross. <laughs> Bearing the Cross. Yeah. Bearing it's the also, Cross. I think it's also got to be... I'm jotting it down. Folks, you do the same. It's also got to be a lesson. Uh, the first chapter on Rosa Parks alone. You can get it for free on your on your iPhone. Um, actually, I think the book... How about a Samsung phone? What are you, a whore for Tim Cook? I think... I'm sorry, this is just out of control. <laughs> it's also a lesson in you don't know what you're capable of or what your path in life is supposed to be if you're a religious person. Um, he didn't see himself as a... He wasn't envisioning himself his whole life as being president or the leader of a great national movement mm-hmm. and ending up a statue somewhere. Just wanted to preach the word. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and you know you don't know what you're capable for, and some, sometimes you, in the, you end up in a certain situation, and you got to take on the mantle of responsibility that was given you. Are you trying to tell us that some men have greatness thrust upon them? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to. And say. women too. What they let women be great too now? What? Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, so uh, listen, I have a serious story and a not so serious story. That was a beautiful. A description of Martin Luther King Jr. and his thoughts and his speeches and the rest of it. Let me go light first. He says, thinking aloud. I can't bring myself to pay attention to the Jeff Bezos divorce thing. I just don't care. It's interesting because I can't get enough of it. I think <laughs> gossipy garbage like yes. this is beneath so me. So good. There's uh, there are limited numbers of moments in life, and, and I'd rather s- spend. And I want to spend them doing this. And I'd rather spend them on something else. <laughs> the on fact the- that he he <laughs> with all his money is about to step into the train wreck of his life. Oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> the uh, so that was my stance, Jack. Until I read that he had been telling his mistress what his wife said in bed. He was, like, quoting his wife to his mistress if they would be cuddling or something and she would tell him about a dream she had or or whatever. He would text her about it, text his lover about it. That seems weird. Man, that's cold. What's that? That's Well, it's, it's number one, it's ice cold. Um, But so they were still close enough when he was having this affair, he and his wife, that... See, I kind of assumed... They it. claim to still be quite close. Well, there's being friends and there's cuddling in bed together. Um, yeah. Um, Pillow talk. Yeah. Huh, interesting. Right. Um, number one, that's that's really... Cl- she told me about this wackadoo dream she had last night. He actually did. And 
described it in you know specifics. Number one, as I said multiple times, that's very cold. Number two, I- I- I'm a faithful husband. I don't know how this works. How often do you bring up your wife to your lover? I would think not often. Not a lot, I'm thinking. And I, would and, think... and I wouldn't think often she asks, how's your wife? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what do you guys talk about? Like at night when you're together in bed. And so a, a, an ex-boyfriend of his mistress girlfriend has said, don't go there, Jeff. Yeah. Nightmare. She's been engaged four times. She's a star engager, it would seem. And some use a term that's different from engager. She found a way to work herself up to the richest man in the world. Right. I congratulate her. From various other athletes and celebrities. I mean, if that's your thing, I guess that makes her the greatest in the world. Yes. If she can close the deal. She's the queen of it. How uncomfortable is it when your honey's ex... Really gives you a credible, credible case for that's a mistake, brother. <laughs> that's uncomfortable. Oh boy, because we all get you know cold feet to some extent. So listen, uh, this story I, I want to mention it because you're not going to hear it anywhere else in the mainstream media. I don't think uh, Reno uh, local media, Reno, Nevada, and Washoe County um, is talking about a lot for obvious reasons. But there's a serial killer on the loose. In the Reno area, and I'm sorry, my friends, there's no way to describe this in a way that isn't absolutely terrible, but um, older women brutally murdered, really defenseless. I mean, this 56-year-old woman was by far the youngest woman murdered by this monster. 74-year-old woman, 81-year-old woman, an 80-year-old, I'm sorry, 81-year-old man and his 80-year-old wife. It's... This is an unspeakable monster. All in Reno? Um, in the area, yeah. And uh, the uh, police have made an arrest and are, and I quote, seeking no one else in the crime. Okay. So it's the guy who did it. 19-year-old Wilbur Ernesto Martinez Guzman, uh, uh, undocumented immigrant. Not getting any attention. Any. Because that just really makes the mainstream media uncomfortable. You telling me somebody murders four older ladies and uh, that's not worthy of the papers of America? Well, anyway, it's. I don't expect you to leap to any judgments. I'm not one of those people. Um, I just think it's a it's an interesting aspect of our nation's uh, media. Well, I don't like uh, but, portraying groups based on a single person's behavior. Right, for good but or ill, frankly. If the guy was caught in a Trump hat, do you think that would have made the news? Place front page of every paper. Uh, nice job uh, to the, the law enforcement in that area tracking down this monster. Well done. Sheriff's Office, Washoe, Douglas County, Carson City. We're working together. Reno and Sparks Police as well as the FBI. Well done, guys and gals. You know, somebody pointed out on the text line, and I, I, I've read the best Washington biography by uh, Cherno. This is absolutely true. Washington fans know that after the Revolutionary War, he wanted nothing to do with public life. Nothing. The last thing he wanted in the world right. was to be in Washington, D.C., or wherever the capital was at the time. Was it D.C. at the time? Yeah. And, uh, and 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 get messed in that. And he was fairly miserable the entire time, yeah. as all he wanted to do was hang with Martha at Mount Vernon. You ever been to Mount Vernon? I know you have. Uh, if you've never been there, you'd understand why he wanted to hang there with his honey. It's gorgeous. So maybe the lesson between MLK right on and the Potomac. Maybe the lesson between MLK and George Washington, and most of us aren't going to get thrust into positions of, you know, worldwide history or 
national greatness or anything anybody will notice. But, you know, situations are presented to us and we're the person for the job and you got to do it. Right. Maybe that's a lesson. Right. Well, and I've I've made this point many times through the years and uh, it's one of my greatest hits. So enjoy it. We like to put people like George Washington, Martin Luther King Jr., and you name your great American heroes or heroes of humanity. Um, we put them on pedestals and make saints of them, partly because if they're superhuman, that lets us off the hook when we have a difficult choice whether to do the right thing or the wrong thing. We make uh, you know Martin Luther King Jr., for instance, into some godhead, some angel floating among us who is not troubled by regular human concerns. Um, he was unbelievably troubled by regular concerns, like he couldn't get his libido under control. I mean, that was a very human problem he had. Famously, yeah, yeah. Actually, the the great Adams biography by old, what's his name? Who could forget him? The author. David McCullough. That's it. I can't remember authors. It's weird. (laughs) It's weird. Some of my favorite books, I just can't remember the author's name. Um, Adams constantly plagued by terrible dental problems. His teeth, his jaws, his gums hurt like crazy, like all the time. So this is a... It's a reminder to flaws. <laughs> That's why I bring it up. So the remembering flaws regularly. Things. I had this conversation with my son yesterday because he can't remember his multiplication tables. And I said, well, different people are good at remembering different things. I said, think of all the things you know about history and animals that you've memorized. You can't memorize these numbers. I said, I got all kinds of things memorized about history and books and stuff like that. I can't remember the the password for any of my accounts. It's just mm. impossible. Right. It's just it's funny how your brain works that way. Sure. Though. I'm glad mine works at all, honestly. (laughs) And the rest I jot down. Yeah, that's a good idea. It's clear that he didn't, they didn't even touch Brady's face. How's that roughing the past? They didn't come, they might as well have whistled me. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.